your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you. As you read silently, and I'll read aloud in verse 1, it says, And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they un uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he rose up, uh, he, he arose, took up the bed, and, and, and went before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we ask your blessings upon your word as it goes forth this morning. We ask, Lord, that our hearts would be such that uh, we'd be attentive to you and attentive to your spirit as you speak to us this morning. Lord, this is an exciting, exciting account in the word of God of, of men that were on a mission and uh, wanted to do whatever it took in order to get the job done. We pray your blessings upon the word of God as it goes forth, and may the, the Spirit of God have freedom and liberty in our hearts this morning. And Lord, as you speak to our hearts, may we respond to you, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, Whatever It Takes, Whatever It Takes. Uh, these four guys didn't let obstacles stop them from taking a man who had a need to Jesus. What had happened was, was that Jesus showed up at a house and it was noised abroad that he was there. And so people began to come to that house. Um, in the, in the, in the East, there is a, a different attitude. There was back then, there still is today, a different attitude about hospitality. Uh, when uh, uh, people's homes were open to, 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 to others, and uh, when someone who was of public notoriety came to a house, many times people just went and flooded to that, to that home and went in. And it got so bad it was packed. Now, it says they couldn't go in because of the press. Now, that wasn't ABC, NBC, CBS, to, you know, and all the rest of the alphabet soup. That was talking about the fact that the people had pressed so hard to get in to see Jesus into the house that there was no room to get in. And these four, four fellows, obviously, they had some sort, and we're not told what kind of a relationship they had with a man who was sick of the palsy, 
But the man who was sick of the palsy couldn't, couldn't take himself, couldn't go himself. He was bedbound, and so therefore he depended on these four guys. Uh, there, was, there was no room for them to get him through. There was no way to open the door. And, and honestly, if it had been the typical Christian response today, they probably would have looked at that situation and said, well, it's obvious that God doesn't want us to go because otherwise he'd open the door of opportunity. And because there's so many people all packed in there, obviously this is not the time for you to get healed. <laughs> but that wasn't his atti their attitude. That wasn't their attitude at all. In fact, what they did was they, they looked for another door of opportunity. The opportunity was there because Jesus was there. And the, and the opportunity was there because uh, they were there. And they, so they, they looked to see what other way can we get this man to Jesus. You, gotta, you know, the Lord has some things to say about doors of opportunity. Keep your finger here in, in Mark. And go with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I think there's oftentimes more doors of opportunity for us than what we're willing to admit sometimes in order to serve the Lord and get people to Christ. And we just, uh, we just don't recognize them oftentimes. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 talks about a door of opportunity. And in, in, in verse 9... 1 Corinthians 16, 9 says, For a great door, Apostle Paul was talking here. He said, For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. Uh, just because there are obstacles, just because there are adversaries, does not mean that the door is closed. It means that it must be a great door of opportunity, or there wouldn't be the opposition that there is. And, and when these men saw that they couldn't get in. They didn't let that stop them. Sometimes we look at, uh, at uh, uh, adversity. We look at circumstances. We look at the adversaries. And, and we think that, and we assume sometimes, because that opposition is there, that the door is shut. When in reality, what God wants us to do is to look for another avenue in order to get the job done and, uh, and for God to bless and to bless greatly. Look with me in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And verses 12 and 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Apostle Paul once again says, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother. But taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Now this is what we often refer to as a Macedonian call, and this is the, the great door of opportunity that he spoke of. And you see that thing fulfilled over in Acts chapter 16. Now take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts 16. And again, he calls it, calls it a great door of opportunity. But it had opposition. There were problems. There were difficulties. Acts chapter 16 and verses 6 through 12. Acts 16, verses 6 through 12 says, Now when they had gone through 
through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel to them. Therefore, loosing from Troas, he came with a straight course to Samothracia and the next day to Neapolis. And from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days. Now drop down, if you would, with me to verse, verse 14. And it says, And a, a certain woman, this is in, in uh, uh, Philippi, in Macedonia, it says, And a, a certain woman named Lydia, seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which uh, worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us, and it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us which brought her matters uh, much gain, or excuse me, her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out, out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the, the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who having received such a charge and th uh, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, as you continue down there and you read through there, you'll find out what all took place. Uh, the, 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 the great door of opportunity caused, uh, caused Paul and his entourage to, to go to Philippi. And there they, they met uh, Lydia. She got saved. She got an unclean spirit. Uh, he got an unclean spirit out of, a, out of a woman. They were stripped. They were beaten. They were thrown in jail. And then as a result of that, that night, the jailer and his whole house got saved and followed the Lord in baptism. I mean, you, you talk about a great door of opportunity. This is tremendous what happened. But there was also great opposition. And, and the, but the opposition did not stop them. They did whatever it took to fulfill 
that Macedonian call. And we see that same kind of spirit in these four guys who over in Mark chapter 2 are, are taking this palsied man to Jesus. Uh, so much so that they were willing to tear up the roof and slowly lower him down so that they so that he could he could have uh, contact with the Lord Jesus Christ and so that the Lord could heal him. They, they, they tried something that hadn't been done before. I'm sure that's not the, the normal tactics. You don't go to somebody's house, somebody else's house, and tear up the roof and then let a palsied man down so that Jesus can heal him. It, it took a lot of effort on their part. And, and I would imagine it cost them something. You know, it probably wasn't somebody else who repaired the roof. It probably wasn't someone else who paid the cost for the roof to be taken care of after all of the uh, exciting things happened. You know, when it was all said and done, somebody had to come back to the house and make sure that that hole was repaired so that the rain didn't get in. It, it took, took much effort on their part. It took, it took a, a price that they had to be willing to pay. But they were willing to do whatever it took to get this man to Jesus Christ. Why did they take that effort? Why, were, why did, were they willing to do that? Well, obviously, they must have had some sort of a relationship with him, or if they didn't, they at least saw his need. And his need bothered them. Uh, you know, there, there, there's no indication here that they had to do what they did. They desired to do what they did. They were motivated not by their own need, but they were motivated by the need of somebody else. And they saw a man who was helpless on his own. And really, you think about it, uh, lost people are helpless on their own. When I was lost and without Christ, I was helpless on my own. And I had to have somebody on the outside care for me. And that's exactly what this palsied man needed. He needed somebody on the outside to care for, for him. Um, there had to be that concern. There had to be that care, or they wouldn't have done anything. And that's the same kind of care and the same kind of concern that God expects you and I to have so that we will bring people to Jesus Christ. When was the last time? You took the opportunity, took the open door to attempt to tell someone how to get saved. When was the last time that you actually had the opportunity to lead someone to Jesus Christ? And I'm, I'm not saying that to, to heap guilt upon you or anything like that at all. What I do want you to see is this, is that maybe sometimes the reason why we don't do those things and everything else becomes more important is because we really don't care as much as sometimes we say we do. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've noticed this. Um, I, I have often prayed and said, Lord, uh, bring, bring folks to church and we pray that there would be somebody that would get saved in church. And I love to see people saved in church. I love to see people get saved anywhere. Amen? I mean, it doesn't make any difference whether it's in church or on the street or at a house. 
I, I just I like to hear about people trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. At the at the the funeral at uh, Mr. Shipman's funeral, we had, it, well I say we had two people. We had one and a half people raise their hand. Uh, there was a I thought it was funny. <clears throat> there was a, a woman who who uh, raised her hand. She was sitting right here in this section. She raised her hand, indicating that she had just asked the Lord to save her. And then there was a fella, and he was a you know one of these big burly guys. You know, uh, that's the kind of people that Dave Shipman seemed to attract. Is the big burly guys, and uh, uh, he raised his hand too. I'm sure he was raising his hand. Because when I, when I pointed it out, then he brought it back down. But it was one of these things, you know, like, well, I think maybe <laughs> I got a kick out of it. The woman went like that, and the big burly guy just turned like that. But uh, you know what? I don't care how, how they come to Christ. Just come to Christ. That's what's exciting. And we like to see that. We like to see that in church. But when was the last time you prayed and said, Lord, help me to be a tool to lead somebody to Christ Outside of church, where that I have the opportunity, not just in a church service does somebody get saved, but I have the opportunity to give out the gospel. I have the opportunity. I, I, think, I think the reason why oftentimes those prayers aren't prayed is because we don't have the concern that these guys had. The, these guys had a, had a fortitude and they had a commitment. They realized that this man had a need that only one person could fulfill. And the truth of the matter is, if you're saved, you know all kinds of lost people. I know all kinds of lost people. And the only person that can fulfill their need is Jesus Christ. There's nobody else that can do it because they need a Savior. They need a Savior. And that's why it's so important for us to be available and, and to have a burden for them individually and to pray for them and so forth. But, but, but we need to have that care and we need to have that concern. I think, really, honestly, and, and I find myself getting lost in this stuff just as much as you do. We get so tied up with the affairs of this life. You know, the Bible talks about that over in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 2. It says, in order to be a good soldier... You just can't get tied up. And the reason why it's, 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 it's so important not to be tied up in the affairs of this life is because it, it takes, it takes the, the concerns for the things that are really important away from us. And we, we, lose, that, we lose that urgency. Um, you know, when, when, whenever you're about your daily activities, do you carry tracks with you? Have you got the gospel in your pocket or in your purse? Uh, are you ready to give a tract to someone? Do you have scripture with you? Now, I, you know, I, I love, I'll be honest with you, I love the day and age that we're living in today. Because it used to be that you had to carry, if you wanted to have scripture with you, you had to carry a New Testament. Well, that was okay when I was younger because the, the uh, New Testament, you could get, get them that were pretty small. But the problem is, so is the print. And now I can't read it anymore. I've got to have a, uh, got to have a, <laughs> a magnifying glass, you know, to read it. But now we have this thing called a cell phone, smartphone. You can, I, I've got two Bibles on here. Uh, I've got the scripture 
at my fingertips. I love that. Uh, now I've not only got a phone, but I've also got, I got a New Testament. Actually, I got a whole Bible in there. And uh, let me encourage you, if you've got a cell phone, uh, you, you need, to, you need to, to download a King James Bible into your cell phone so that you have it. So that if you've got the opportunity and God opens the door because you've stepped forward. And again, remember, why did these guys have the opportunity? Because they stepped forward and did something. They didn't wait for the crowd to dissipate. Instead, they made a way. They made a way. And sometimes, you know, we, we use as an out. Well, you know... The Lord just didn't give me an opportunity. You mean, mean what you mean by that is He didn't open the door wide and then shove you in, in into the situation. That's that's not necessarily a door of opportunity. They made a door of opportunity, and they did so because they were so concerned about this guy. You know, I think more than anything else, that's what's missing. You know, I asked you a question a moment ago. When was the last time you? gave the gospel to someone, whether it be in track form or verbal form. When was the last time you sat down with someone and had the opportunity to lead them to Christ? Now, I realize we've all got different opportunities. We've all got different spheres of influences. Again, I'm not trying to put guilt on anybody. Here's what I do want to ask you, though. Does it bother you if you haven't done it for a while? In other words, does the lost condition of the world affect you? affect you. Uh, it, it ought to affect us. It ought to be something that's on our hearts and on our minds on a continual basis. Um, you know, uh, when was the last time you even, in your prayer uh, time, just spent time and asked God to lead you to a soul? Uh, there is a, there's a song that we sing around here from time to time. And it goes like this. It's, it's uh, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and love that soul through me. And may I humbly do my part to win that soul for thee. It's a pretty little song, but it's a powerful prayer. And honestly, that ought to be, I'm not saying you have to go around and sing that song all day long, but that ought to be our heart's desire. And the problem is sometimes that desire and that, that, that uh, 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 prayer for wanting to see someone saved and be, be the instrument that God uses to see a person come to Christ as Savior is often missing. It, it, it took four men to bring this man to Jesus Christ. And, you know, you go over to... First uh, Corinthians, and Paul makes the comment about, you know, it was, it was one who waters and one who sows the seed, one who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Well, the, the implication is, is, is it takes more than just a one-time shot to see somebody get saved, but it, it, it oftentimes takes multiple people. And in this particular case, it took four people to bring a person to to Jesus Christ. One guy couldn't have done it. He couldn't have, you know, by himself, he couldn't have hauled the, he couldn't have even gotten the guy to the place, let alone haul him up on the roof and then let him down. And, and notice what Jesus noticed in verse 5. If you look down in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, when Jesus 
saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. When he says saw their faith, I'm, I'm sure the man that was sick of the palsy was a part of what he saw. But those four guys, he saw their faith. What caused them to go the extra mile? What caused them to do whatever it took to see someone come to Christ? It was faith. It was faith. And Jesus noticed their faith. You know, what, what good would healing have done if this man, after he was healed, died and went to hell? And, and the, 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 the priority in this whole process was forgiveness. Uh, and, and yet, in, in, in the whole process of things, he also healed him. Look down in verses 6 through 12 with me again. Verse 6 says, But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk? Obviously, it's easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee in this respect. I realize that forgiveness of sins is much greater than just physical healing. But you, you can say it, and you don't know whether or not the sins have been forgiven or not. But he says, says, says that if, if I, I say, uh, take up thy bed and walk, and you don't do, and the person doesn't do that, then obviously uh, the thing that they're, they're saying is a lie. In verse 10, it says, but, but that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and, and went before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. The whole reason why he healed him was so that they would understand that not only could he heal, but he also had power to do what he did in the first place, which was to forgive sins. The greatest miracle that God ever performs is to forgive sins. If you're here this morning and you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven because there came a time in your life when you realized you were a sinner. You're on your way to hell. And you realize that the only way that you could get into heaven would be by having your sins forgiven. And the only way you could have your sins forgiven was not by doing works of righteousness yourself, but by trusting what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did for you when he died on Calvary's cross. And, and you, you reached out in faith. You repented. You turned from your sin. And you turned to Jesus Christ. And you trusted him, and you trusted him alone as your Savior. The moment you did that, God gave you mercy. The moment you did that, and you asked him to save you, he gave you eternal life. And in giving you eternal life, he gave you total forgiveness of sins. That's the greatest miracle that can ever occur, is getting forgiveness of sins. And that's, that's exactly what happened to this man. This man first got forgiveness of sins. That was the priority. 
And uh, th those four men had what was necessary to get that man to Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the, the things that they had was, number one, they had faith. They had faith that, that Jesus would heal them. Uh, not just that Jesus would heal him, heal that man, but that Jesus, not just Jesus could, but that he would do it, that he would do it. You know, if, if I were to ask you, uh, do you believe that Jesus Christ can save anybody? You know, I, I, I believe you'd say yes, if you've been saved for any amount of time at all. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen hard hearts get turned and changed in, trust, in trusting Jesus Christ as Savior. Um, but it's not could he, it's would he. You know, will God use you? He wants to. He wants to. But we've got to have the faith. They had faith. Now, the second thing they had, they not, not only had faith, but they had love. They cared for this guy. I mean, they really did. Uh, they, they, they etched out a, a portion of their day in order to strictly bring him to Christ. And when they, when they saw the obstacles, they wouldn't let the obstacles stop them. And they went ahead and, and, and uh, overturned those obstacles. And again, they did it not just because they had tenacity and not just because they were determined. They were determined because they loved him. I believe, I believe with all my heart that these guys, first and foremost, love God. But then secondly, that love spilled out over their hearts and onto this palsied man. And the reason why he got healed, and even better than that, he got forgiven, was because these four guys brought him to Jesus Christ. And then the last thing, of course, was they had determination. They were willing to do whatever was necessary in order to get this man to Christ. And, and when, when Christ saw him, the very first thing he did was to forgive him because that's the priority. And sometimes that's, that's the difficult thing to, to get people to see in their personal lives, those that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior, is that there's nothing more important in their lives than getting saved. If they're going through sickness, if they're going through turmoil in finances or family or job or whatever, sometimes it's hard to get their attention off of that and show them that really what the most important thing is, is their sin, and they need to get their sin forgiven, and they need to come to Jesus Christ. But, but he, he, he first forgave him, and then he healed him. And he healed him so that he could bring attention to the fact that he had the power to, to forgive. And, and the, the greatest miracle that God can ever perform is, is to forgive sins and give people eternal life. If you're here this morning uh, and you have never received Christ as Savior, if you don't know for sure, if there's some doubt in your mind that uh, when you die, you're going to go to heaven, that where you sit right now, that you have complete, total forgiveness of sins, you need to get that thing settled today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't let one more day go by. And it's not necessary. It's not necessary. Because Jesus came to this earth and took on human form and died on the cross and rose again the third day because he so wanted you to come to know him as Savior and to have that forgiveness of sins. You can't get it on your own. 
but you can get it through Jesus Christ. We're going to give an invitation in just a moment. And I, I would encourage you, if you're here this morning and you don't have that issue settled, come see me this morning. Just come forward and just say, Pastor, I need to be saved. And we'll have someone take the word of God and show you clearly what it, what it takes for you to believe on Christ and to trust him as Savior. Then if, if you are saved, what kind of determination do you have? What kind of love do you have for others? When was the last time you took the time to try to tell somebody about Jesus Christ? Do you find yourself prepared? Do you carry tracts with you? Do, you? do you carry a Bible with you, whether it be a, a, a physical Bible or whether it be in, in a smartphone? Do you, do you have the Word of God with you so that God can take you and use you? When was the last time you prayed and just said, Lord, it's been a while. I, please give me an opportunity. Help me to look for opportunities even today where I can bring Someone I can be used as a tool to get the gospel out and bring somebody to Jesus Christ. You know, the bottom line is this. If you don't do it, who will? You have, every person in here has a very unique sphere of influence. Uh, there are people whose lives you'll touch that nobody else in this congregation this morning will possibly ever touch those people's lives. God has placed you in their lives for a reason and for a purpose. The question is, do we care? Do we, do we have the concern for others like these four men had? And they were willing to do whatever it takes in order to get that man to Jesus. The question is, do we have that determination to do whatever it takes? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I pray that you would work on our hearts this morning and help us to see what the issue is. The issue is we're living in the last days. The sands are running out of the hourglass. And, and uh, Father, because of that, time is of the essence. And there are people that all of us know They've never trusted Christ as Savior. And we are the link between heaven and hell for those people. God, I pray that you would put a burden on our hearts and put a resolve in our hearts this morning to tell other people about Jesus Christ, to pass out tracts. Uh, Lord, a little bit later... Uh, on this year, we're going to be going door to door again. God, please bring out many folks to do that because this city needs Christ. This city is like the palsied man. It's crippled. <laughs> it's crippled. Uh, it has more lost people in it than it has saved people in it. And Father, we're the, we're the connection that they need. But we need to care. We need to first love you. And then secondly, that love needs to spill out over onto lost souls, and we need to have a, a concern. Lord, if, if we've not been praying like we should to, for you to bring us to places where we can tell people about Jesus Christ, help us to start praying that prayer 
and just, uh, Lord, having a desire in our hearts to be used of you to bring people to Jesus Christ. There might be someone here this morning who is not saved. God, I pray that you'd get all over them this morning. Not because, not because Lord, I want you to be mean or, or terrible to them in any way. No, instead, I don't want to see them die and go to hell for all eternity. And I pray that even this morning they might come forward, take my hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to get this thing settled. And we'll have someone take the word of God and show them how to do it. Lord, uh, God, I, I just pray that you'd have your will and your way in this invitation. God, speak to our hearts, and as you do, may we respond to you. For it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.